You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Yeah, you totally made it. And so maybe, just maybe, because you made it, God directed your path today so that you could make it here where you could hear something from him. So with that in mind, how about we bow for prayer and ask God to speak to us today. Lord, thank you for everybody who made it today. Thank you that you have a plan, a good plan for everybody here, and you want to connect with them and speak to each one of us today. And so, Lord, as I share your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight to work in longtime believers as well as those that are wondering if you're even out there. So we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Now, as we start out today, I want to show you guys some pictures, okay? So take a look at this next picture, and as you see it, what do these people represent? These are the people from the Westboro Baptist Church, and uh, I think for most of us, we would say they represent judgment and hate and these types of things. These people probably would not be a good fit for City Church downtown. They wouldn't like it here at all. But let me show you the next picture. The next picture, you see a bullhorn preacher, right? And he's got the sign there that says, ask me why you deserve hell. And I want to show him a sign that says, ask me why you're not helping anyone. And maybe I can help you with that, right? But then look at this last picture. There it is. You see some kind of mangled feet there. Does anybody happen to know whose feet those are? I think I heard a couple of people say it. Those are Mother Teresa's feet. And they're not what we would consider pretty, but they sure are beautiful. Because when you think about Mother Teresa, you think of what she stands for. She, she stands for love. She stands for service and care. Therefore, she has beautiful feet. Now, keep that in mind. I want to take you back a few years when I was just sleeping one night, minding my own business, and I woke up in the night with this thought running through my head. Now, sometimes when I wake up in the night, it's because I ate a burrito supreme, right? But this particular time was something perhaps different, and I couldn't get this phrase out of my head. It was, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And it just kept repeating, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, I happen to know that that phrase is in three different passages in the Bible, and I want to show you one of them. It's Isaiah 52, verse 7. Look at it with me on your phone or on the screen. Uh, the prophet says, how beautiful on the mountains are the what? Feet. By the way, um, were there a bunch of Presbyterians out on the race that came in here and chilled today? Come on, let's say feet like we mean it here. Let's, let's jump. Let's try this again. Uh, how beautiful on the mountains are the Woo, yeah, thank you very much. Of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. And so he references a good news. And as you transition into the New Testament of the Bible, that good news is translated gospel. Gospel and good news are the same thing. And good news is holistic, the gospel is. It's not just for heaven when you die, but it's a glimpse of heaven here in this life. And so we receive heaven as a gift of grace. We receive the gospel as a gift of grace from God for free. Nothing we do to earn it. But then we're overflowing with the love that God has placed in our hearts that we want to bring social justice and do social action here to give people a glimpse of the kingdom of God on earth. Now, to understand this stuff about feet, beautiful feet in the Bible, you have to understand Jewish people. In fact, you have to understand the Jewish mindset to understand the Bible because it was written by Jewish people, primarily for Jewish people. And when they think about 
spiritual truth, they think of tangible things. They think God is bread or God is uh, uh, eagle's wings and this type of stuff. And so um, when it comes to this metaphor of feet, it's significant to a Jewish person. Your hands are significant because what you do, right? Your, your hands are what you put your work to do. Your shoulders would represent like the burden that you carry through this life. And so um, some of you, when you get tense, you know, you're carrying a burden and it goes to your shoulders, doesn't it? Um, that's why your spouse should give you a massage, right? To relieve that burden. Um, I hope my wife heard that somewhere today. But uh, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he carried the cross beam of the cross across his shoulders because the shoulders represent the burden uh, to a Jewish person. And the feet, feet represent your path or your lifestyle, your walk, the way that you live. And so here the prophet says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the gospel through the message of the cross and through social justice. And you know, Christianity these days has kind of a marketing problem. You know what I'm saying? Because when people think of Christianity and church people, they don't think of feet, they think of big mouths, don't they? Big mouths hurling judgment and hate at people for um, their behaviors in this world. But we would rather be known for our feet rather than our mouths, wouldn't we? And so we believe that biblical Christianity is not about getting on a bullhorn, but it's about beautiful feet. So here's the question I want to pose to you today. Are you a bullhorn or are you beautiful feet? Are you a bullhorn or are you beautiful feet? And you don't have to be a member of the Westboro Baptist Church to be a bullhorn. You can just be a person that talks a good game but never walks the ways of Jesus. And so I want you to turn to someone next to you and I want you to look at their feet, not their face. Look at their feet and tell them, men, you have beautiful feet. You have some beautiful feet, Riley. Some beautiful feet. Look at those kicks, man. They're so cool. And you girls wear all those boots and everything. So uh, we want to be a people of the beautiful feet. And you know, uh, one of the things that is interesting to me is that um, when we have beautiful feet, what it does is it fills a soul craving that each one of us has. Every one of us wants to be significant in the world, don't we? We want to make an impact. We have this God DNA within us that makes us want to be significant by making an impact on other people. And I get to see this from time to time at funerals. When I speak at funerals, it's interesting to me to see the impact of a single human being as they're honored at their, at their memorial service or at their funeral, you know? And um, uh, sometimes I'll go to these funerals and people... Um, will want the pastor to lie, you know what I mean? Because the person who passed away is a scoundrel, right? And everybody knows it, but I don't want to have to lie if I do your funeral. Do you want me to have to lie at your funeral? No way, man. And so we want to have beautiful feet. In fact, I hope that you are so honored at your funeral that they're going to do one of those open caskets, you know, and they'll have the open part on your feet, not on your head, because your feet are so beautiful because you loved and served uh, so much, you know. Um, but here's one of the things I want to get across to you is that uh, biblical truth is not just important what we know, but it's what's important what we care about. You know what I mean? And so beautiful feet people care about the poor, care about uh, 
the poor. But here's the thing about Americans is that we're inundated with these opportunities to buy and upgrade and accumulate all kinds of stuff to the neglect of the poor around us here in the heart of the city, you know? And um, I think that it's interesting that I'll go to a third world country sometimes. Like Humbry and I were just coming back from a trip to Africa one time, and we were just in the airplane on our way back from third world country, and I'm already getting back into materialism. You know what I mean? And you know how it happened? I read the Sky Mall magazine. You ever seen, anybody seen Sky Mall magazine? Okay, I need the stuff that's in there, dude. I need that Lord of the Rings sword, you know? If I had that sword, my life would be complete. Or those really specialty nose hair trimmers, you know? That would be really great as long as they don't touch my beard, you know? Or that little doggy ladder or the remote control blimp. But the thing that really gets me in that Sky Mall magazine is the R2-D2 robot. There's a legit R2-D2. I'm foaming at the mouth, ready for Star Wars. And they put the R2-D2 in the magazine. I need that stuff, don't you, right? But maybe we don't always need all the things that we think we need in this American abundance. And Isaiah boldly confronts bullhorn types and accumulator types in his book. And he talks about these bullhorn types that, hey, they, they come to church every week and they act so pious, uh, Isaiah says, and they love to learn more and more facts about the Bible. They know the meaning of all these Hebrew words and they're very devoted in their prayers. They're always asking God for things with such humility and they're even willing to fast and go without food when they pray so that maybe God will answer their prayers. But Isaiah confronts the bullhorn types in Isaiah 58, 5. And look what he says. Do you really think this will please the Lord? And then he tells them how they can have beautiful feet. He says, share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors, bullhorn guy. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble, and then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will be uh, rebuilding the deserted ruins of your what? Cities, and we're here in the heart of this city to rebuild the deserted ruins and to care for the poor and bring the gospel of peace and set the captives free. And if you're new here, I want you to know that this tribe certainly is not perfect. And if you come here from another church, you'll look around, you'll see, man, those people are a little weird, you know, or those people are a little off, or those people are a little rough around the edges, some of them, you know. But I'll tell you this, we may not be perfect, but with all of our hearts, we want to have beautiful And that's why today we're bringing coats. Many of you brought coats. In fact, they were just telling me we already have over 200 coats. So, boy, am I relieved. And we're going to have more. (laughs) And we may not just adopt a couple of schools. We may adopt more schools because we're giving. And I'm going to tell you something. Those of you that brought coats today, your feet just got a little bit more beautiful. It's like you got a spiritual pedicure today, you know what I'm saying? And um, those of you that did not bring coats, don't feel any guilt. We're not about guilt here. We're about grace, you see? And so if you didn't bring any this week, next week's your opportunity. Bring a bag of non-perishable food items as we have it on the list. The next week after that, bring a gift for um, a kid. You can uh, label your gift on the, a couple of weeks from now, man, woman, boy, or girl, 
Um, but I, I think I like the way Bono explains having beautiful feet. Look at this quote on the screen. He says, God may well be with us in our mansions on the hill. I hope so. He may well be with us in all manner of controversial stuff. Maybe, maybe not. But the one thing we all agree, all faiths and ideologies, is that God is with the vulnerable and poor. God is in the slums and the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God is in the silence of a mother who has infected her child with a virus that will end both their lives. God is in the cries heard under the rubble of war. God is in the debris of wasted opportunities and lives. And look at this last part. God is with us when we... We are with them. God is with us when we are with them. And we are, on the global scale, a very rich and powerful people. And I really like the question posed by author and pastor Andy Stanley. He says, what do you do when you're the most powerful person in the room? What is it that you do when you're the most powerful person in an area, in a room, in a neighborhood, classroom, or office? And I think if you want to have beautiful feet, beautiful feet serve. Beautiful feet serve. And Isaiah tells us about Messiah who would come. He's making a prediction about what the Messiah would do. And he says in Isaiah 52, 13, see my, what's that next word? Servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. And this servant attitude in Messiah was predicted in Isaiah and fulfilled in John chapter 13, verse 4, where Jesus, it says, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples, what? Feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. And if you have beautiful feet, you make the feet of those that you serve more beautiful than what they were. And that was a strange thing in that day because in that day, those with authority lorded it over those who were under them. But Jesus gives us a whole new paradigm in which to interact when we're the most powerful person in the room. Taking off his cloak or his robe was like taking off his authority. Uh, learned Shmihad rabbis of that day, when they took off their robe, it was like taking off your police uniform and badge in the midst of people who were your underlings, and he got down and served them. They were probably blown away. They're like, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. Jesus says, no, I've got to wash your feet if you want to have a place with me. And here's the deal, is that you and I all have influence at some level. Some of you have influence in your school or in your office or with people you know or someone next door or someone in the city. But what you do with that influence determines the beauty of your feet. And I like what... Uh, one filmmaker named Richard Curtis said about this. By the way, he's known for films like Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill, and he also did the Mr. Bean TV series. But look what he says when he was asked about his involvement in the condition of the poor. I can only do one thing well, but I will ruthlessly leverage what I do well to rectify this injustice. And God has given each of you something that you do well, and you can fully leverage it to use it to help other people who are hurting. And this is exactly what Jesus did is that he used his influence, he used his authority on our behalf and his feet were so beautiful that they were pierced, pierced feet. And so, you know, I, I've wondered, what did Jesus' feet look like when he walked the earth as a carpenter, you know? What did they look like? And, you know, for some people, 
Some people don't want the Jesus of history. Some people want the Jesus that they've cooked up in their minds or they want the Jesus that they see on pictures that are popular of Jesus. And for some people, they want their Jesus like they like their hot dogs, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people want to eat hot dogs, but they really don't want to know what's in those hot dogs. Don't, Don't tell me what's in there. Just feed it to me, right? But here, I want to tell you about who the real Jesus was. And we see it in Isaiah chapter 53. Look at verses two and five. The prophet says, my servant, there's that word again, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground, and he was so beautiful like a spokesmodel. No? There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his physical appearance, the Bible says. Nothing to attract us to him. We would have passed right by him, maybe. He probably looked very plain to the human eye, and then it goes on to say, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. So Jesus was not some pretty looking dude like a spokesmodel from a cosmopolitan city, but he was a common looking guy from Nazareth. Nazareth was not a cosmopolitan cool place to be from. Nazareth was a hick town. Nazareth was one of those places where everybody thinks NASCAR is a sport. It's like a place where the women chew tobacco. It's like everyone watches championship wrestling and there are couches in the front yard. This is Nazareth. It is a hick place. It is not the cool place to go. And Jesus was not considered to be like pretty man for sure. He was not like those Sunday school flannel board pictures. You ever seen those? I brought one uh, today. And that would lead us to believe that Jesus looked like the front man from an 80s metal band with product in his hair, wearing a bathrobe or something like that. When reality, Jewish men of Jesus' day had tightly cropped hair and dark skin. That would have been the historical Jesus. And Jesus walked everywhere that he went. And so no doubt, not only his hands would have been callous from hard work, but his feet would have been callous from walking those dusty, dirty roads. And those callous feet were eventually pierced as he was crucified on the cross for my sin and for yours. And though Jesus' feet were not what we would consider to be pretty these days, they were beautiful. They were the most beautiful feet because he purchased redemption for your soul and for mine. And you know, one of the interesting things about Jesus that he even had pierced feet after the resurrection. And Luke's gospel was written by a doctor and a scientist who knew that his audience would have been skeptical of a man rising again from the dead. And I think it's interesting that Luke includes this detail about Jesus after he had risen from the dead. And we find it in Luke 24, 38. Look at it with me. Jesus says, look at my hands. Look at my what? Feet. He showed them his hands and his feet. And so the resurrected Jesus didn't look like a glowing angel with wings or something like that, but you could still see the scars in his hands and the scars in his feet because Jesus probably wore sandals during that day. And, you know, I think it's interesting that he didn't show up as a glowing angel, but he still showed his scars. And could it be that in the kingdom of God, the scars of Jesus, when we bow before him to worship him, We'll look at him, and our view of what's beautiful will change. Some of your scars from this life may still be with you in certain ways in the kingdom. Certainly, you'll be healed, but the other scars will be to your glory, and certainly that's true of Jesus' scars in his feet 
or for our redemption, and they transform from something that's considered ugly to something that is clearly beautiful. But what do you and I do in response to Jesus' scars in his feet, his pierced feet and the sacrifice that he made for us? Well, one thing we can do is that we can respond to the cries of those who are crying out. Now, Humby taught us on this text a a few weeks ago. I want to take you to Exodus just for a minute, chapter 3. Look at verse 4. It says there, this is the story of Moses and, and his calling. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look because God showed him a burning bush, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. God says, don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. Now look at this next part. I have heard their what? Say it. Cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. And here's that word cries. That word cries is ze'acha. I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them, just say, ze'acha. Go ahead. <laughs> like you're coughing up a loogie, right? Ze'acha, right? It's good. And what that means is, it means an emergency cry for help. So I'm talking to this friend of mine, Gideon, who is like, Uh, a Jewish guy, but he's also from Yemen, and he's got an accent that's thick as yucca, and he tells me, Pastor Doug, the za'acha is like when the ambulance drive down the street in Jerusalem. It's an emergency cry. Help must come. That's the za'acha. And people are letting out the za'acha cry all over the earth, and God always hears the cry, and God's miraculous hand works when he hears the cry and when you and I partner with him to help. So one time I went to Eastern Europe, I walk into this state-run orphanage, I see a room full of beds and children sitting in the beds, holding themselves, rocking back and forth, and we were told that they rock themselves and hold themselves to simulate a hug because they're so attention-deprived, and because in their orphanage, it had been Lord of the Flies in there, the people that ran the orphanage would just leave at night, lock the doors, let the older ones take advantage of the younger ones, and so they were scarred, and they were hurt, and they were damaged, until one man named Bruce heard their cries, and he stepped out in faith to do something about it, and it was unheard of to bring something like this to court in Romania and Eastern Europe at that time. Not only did Bruce take them to court, but if the miracle happened, he won. And all those children got out of that place, and they're now in loving group homes where they're thriving. Why? Because one man heard the za'aka cry of children who were crying out. God answered the prayer, see. And I want to ask you a question. Do you hear the cries in our city? Bruce was in his city, but we're in San Antonio, you know? And there are people crying out all over this city. There are children crying out at J.T. Brackenridge Elementary School. There are children crying out from Page Middle School. I've gone there and seen them and talked to their teacher, school administrators, and principals. And some kids have single mothers or parents that are living below the poverty level and they're doing the best they can to make it in this world and they can't afford to buy their children coats, let alone 
put food on the table sometimes, let alone provide lavish Christmas gifts, but we can do something about those cries because in our city, it's not acceptable that people are crying out during the Christmas season. We're doing something about it. And that's why we're bringing the coast today. And I want to share a little note that I received back in January because some of you guys gave coats back then and, or gave uh, money so we could buy coats. And this kid from Page Middle School wrote a thank you note. And he says, Dear City Church, thank you for the warm jacket. Now I don't have to be standing outside in the freezing weather without a jacket. Now I'm warm and feel all bundled up. Plus, I get the warmness from the inside. You see what he's saying there? The nice red jacket, red's my favorite color. And now look at this last part. Now I feel cared about because City Church gave me a jacket. Isn't that the point here? Now I feel cared about. That's the gospel come to earth. That is the love and service of Christ. Thank you. Sincerely, Roland. There are many kids crying out all of our city. You know, I remember earlier I told you we can do two things in response to the cry or in response to the uh, pierced feet of Jesus. Number one, we can respond to the cries that we hear all around us in our city. But number two, we can receive his gift of grace. You know, for some of you, you stumbled in here today and you had always thought all your life that Jesus was like a bullhorn guy. And I want you to see from the scriptures that is not his heart. And others of you, have been yourselves crying out to God that he would come into your life. You want him and you're going through stuff right now and the good news of the gospel for you today is that you don't have to give to the poor and do good things to earn a love relationship with him, but you can receive it for free as a gift. And so this next prayer is with you in mind. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you would like to begin a relationship with Christ today, I want you to just pray a simple prayer just in your own heart, not out loud, just between you and God. And I want you to say this, God, I know I've sinned. And right now, the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. And I welcome you into my life. I've been crying out, God, please come in. And I welcome you in. Thank you that by faith I can receive you today. Someone didn't pray that prayer, and the reason you didn't is because you think you're too bad. You think you've screwed up too much. You think that you're too jacked up, and you've been told all your life, you've got to be better than that. No, that's not the point. He loves you. I want you to pray. Yes, you can receive him. That's what he's saying to you today. So I'm going to pray it one more time for that one person that thought you were too bad. Lord, I know I'm bad. Nobody has to tell me that. I ask your forgiveness, and I believe, Jesus, that when you were pierced on the cross, you were pierced to cover my sin. And I welcome you into my life, God. And not one of my sins is more powerful than the cross. So I welcome you in. Father, I thank you for those who just prayed that for the rest of us that are Christ followers. Would you please make our feet just a little bit more beautiful today? Would you purify our motives just a little bit today? Will you infuse us with more love today that makes its way from our hearts and emotions to our feet and action? Thank you for what you're doing among us. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we wrap up the teaching time, you know, it's baptism day today. And I'm going to ask some of you to do something kind of bold. Because someone prayed to receive Christ just now. We've got like two people signed up to be baptized. They're going to come down here. So if you baptism candidates would come on down. But while they're walking down here, if you prayed to receive Christ today or you did so at any other time in your life and you've never been baptized, that's kind of step one of obedience to him. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is do something kind of bold. Get up. Go to the lobby. We've got clothes for you. The water's warm and we'll be gentle, okay? So get up uh, when we start singing and hurry up and go back there and get situated to be baptized and we can actually baptize you in the service today. We would love to have you come up here and be baptized. And for the rest of us who are watching baptisms, I wanna ask you to do something kind of strange today. Remember how Moses said that he was on holy ground and he took off his shoes? I'm gonna ask you to take off your shoes right now if you're comfortable to do so. And the reason we're taking off our shoes now is because when we look upon baptism, we're looking upon something holy because it represents not just a person doing a religious act, but it represents someone who's been transformed by the gospel of Christ. It represents someone who had been crying out to God and God reached down. Some of you remember when God reached down to you. What we're watching here is holy. And so let's stand up together and some of you head on back there and get situated to come on down and be baptized today. Lord, you're just over the top good to us. And we're just honored that you allow us to look on such beauty of lives and hearts being changed and people drawn to you to know you. It is the greatest of your miracles when you turn someone where their heart can receive the grace of the cross. And we consider ourselves uniquely blessed and pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said... Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.